Welcome to the Australia podcast, where we give you some insight and some knowledge into our training methods, how you can improve your lifestyle, optimizing your nutrition, and basically find out what is going on down at our box. Right, guys, so obviously this is our new episode, so we're basically going to have a bit of a discussion about supplementations and the use of supplementations in general when it comes to health and fitness or when we start to dive down the rabbit hole of uh, supplementations with athletes in particular. Now, obviously, we've got a couple of people that are on this today. We've got Stephen, and we've got Nathan, and we've got Jamie. And I'll be very interested to have a chinwag with Jamie when it comes to supplementations from a doctor side of things. So this could, he could help me or he could break me here. So I'm going to have to make sure I'm on my A game a little bit. <laughs> it's like, you know, that game pointless no, when you go over to um, the adjudicator to ask him a question of, was it right, was it wrong? And then they just go full bang <laughs> answer. So, Andy, I'm a, I'm a pediatric emergency medicine. I can deal with how much milk babies should have, but that everything else is, uh, I'll, I will defer to your knowledge. So don't worry. No. Yeah, so is he a baby coming else. in with like little drools like coming down the side? Then obviously that's yeah. a bit too much. No, that's good to know though, mate. If I need anything baby related, you're my man. <laughs> so, yeah, but everything else I will happily defer. <laughs> so when it comes to supplementations in general, it's a massive industry. There's so much money pumped into this industry. And there's obviously a reason to uh, that. Well, basically, there's a reason being why a lot of these companies want to dive on and monetize it. But what kind of catches me off guard is I'm personally asked quite a lot about supplementations by people who I don't actually think understand the principle behind supplementations. So when we normally talk about nutrition in general, we always try to explain to people the general lingo, which is always said when you go to um, fundamental classes or on-ramp classes about nutrition in general, it's, it's eating as organic and as fresh food as possible, which has been sourced in the most ethical way and it is sustainable for a long period of time. That's normally the general gist that we say to people is to try and reduce the amount of refined sugars that you're eating and making sure that you're getting it from a viable source. So when someone then starts to ask me about, oh, what supplements should I take? I kind of bounce back with them with a question of my own saying, well, why are you asking about supplementations? I need to gather some sort of background and data to the why behind you wanting to take some. Is this in regards to a performance or an improvement in your training? Is it to receive the end goal quicker or is it to get that end goal with a little bit more ease? Is it something which you're lacking in your current diet right now, which you're unable to actually gain from a food source or did you just see some sort of bro on Instagram repping and then at the end of his set, he just picked up like a can of NoCo and necked it and you think, man, I'm going to be Matt Fraser by necking NoCo. Is that kind of like what we're all thinking right now? Have you been one of those people? That's probably a better way of putting that. Yeah, I, th I think that the supplementation industry is obviously one that just gets marketed hell of a lot to you. And it's, it's just a complete point of not knowing anything and yeah, just just I'm just interested to sort of hear about what it's all about. Okay, that's a good yeah. it's a good starting point. <laughs> Absolutely, Stephen. What about yourself, mate? What do you think about supplementations? I think it's probably like kind of similar thing that you see it 
on Instagram and all that kind of thing, but I don't, I've never actually looked into what you should take or why you should take it. So I've just kind of steered away from it. Okay. That's good to know as well. And Jamie, what about yourself, mate? So I'm maybe a little bit different in that I'm vegetarian. So um, I've kind of been aware that in terms of getting things like adequate protein and certain other vitamins from diet is much harder when you're vegetarian. Yeah. So I've um, been using kind of some, I've been using some of the kind of veg, uh, vegetarian slash vegan supplements and some protein for uh, basically since I started that diet a few years ago. So a little bit more just to kind of diet supplementation rather than a kind of what would be kind of classically regarded as supplements, but certainly some diet supplementation. No, that's very good. So, I mean, we can definitely see from like three different um, avenues, like some people understand that supplementation is a market which is obviously there for specific people who have specific angles or are they looking for a short-term solution or are they looking for a long-term um, quote word supplement towards their diet, which they can sustain for a long period of time. So obviously there's so much vagueness when it comes to supplementations and then probably I think it's down to the way that how the supplement is marketed. If you look at, say for example like pre-workouts in general obviously they're used to kind of increase the stimulus of the brain central nervous system and being able to increase the hearts uh well basically increase the bpm and get people psyched quote unquote to be ready to lift some heavy ass weights but then obviously then the come down effects afterwards due to the fact it's got so many different chemicals in it let's go down the roots of Jack 3D where no one knew what the hell was in it for two years because when they create a supplement, they don't actually need to put the exact um, chemical equation to create it. And you're getting people who are having heart palpitations and are unable to body see sound for six hours after they've done their training set. So there are some supplements where you're kind of like, mm, you should avoid it because we don't really know what it's going to do to your body. But then Going on the other spectrum, what Jamie's saying is, I'm a vegetarian. I know for a fact there's some foods that I um, remove from my diet by choice. Therefore, I know that I'm actually lacking in some of those vitamins, those minerals, or those macro micronutrients, which I know that I then need to supplement into my diet. So that's where you kind of look at the, the spectrum of what type of supplements are out there that you can spend your money on. So... For me, when I ask someone that right from the get-go, I say, why should we supplement? So we need to clearly state, do you have every other thing in place, first and foremost, which can showcase you actually don't need to use any supplementations. I think you're just kind of interested and wanted to try a few of these out. But if you're taking the supplementations, what's the purpose behind taking that supplement? Is it to help you aid towards whatever your physical goal is that you're looking to try and achieve? Whether that be strength improvements, looking for endurance, are you looking for reducing the um, rate of your recovery due to like muscle soreness because you're not getting the right nutrients to help the recovery process? Or are you looking for that little edge? That's something like, say, for example, um, we've seen more recently, nootropics have started to become a thing to help increase uh, people's brain function so when they're at work or they're taking these um, jasmine tablets or they're taking um, uh, supplementations which have a higher level of lavender in it so it allows you to try and sleep a little different sleep so you can see like the supplementation sides now starting to shift 
towards more holistic approach as well. But when we come to like asking someone when they're going to supplementation, what is the expectation? Where are they looking to require the source from? Is it ethical? Are they not that bothered where the source came from? I.e., did it come from an animal-based source? But are they vegetarian and they're going, actually, I don't mind if it came from an animal source or absolutely not. Then they need to then dig a little bit deeper into that supplement specifically. I normally tend to say like, see branch chain amino acids or protein. That's when you're going, okay, is this based from a plant-based product? So if you're, say, for example, you're looking to take a protein, then obviously you're saying, right, we need to then see, is it soy-based? Is it plant-based? Are we looking to gain this from like legumes or are we going to be um, trying to gain this from a bean source? Then from that, you need to then understand there are going to be some of the essential amino acids, which you're not going to find in plant-based sources unless they've been synthesized. One of them is leucine. Now, leucine is naturally found in red-based meat products, such as beef and steak and blah, blah, blah. But you can actually get it from a plant. Even though that these animals eat plants to create that amino acid, there's a magical thing that your body does that creates that. Don't ask me the equation, but I just know it happens because that's science. But you're not able to get that from a plant. You need to then synthetically make it. So then that's where you need to kind of ask the person saying, if this has been synthetically made, then where has this been produced from? It's probably from an animal. So there are going to be some things in there where you're like, okay, I know I'm not going to get this essential amino acid, which has been proven to help increase the muscles regeneration system and the production of uh, new muscle tissue. So when you find out, where the sources come from. If you're like me, I, I really don't mind where it comes from. If I'm honest, if it comes from a company, which I feel like um, is ethically on the right side of things, they don't over, they don't overproduce and they just don't waste stuff. Then I'm with them. I quite like companies like awesome supplements. Um, it's ran by a guy called Ben Kumba and he's spent many, many years researching on the nutrition side of things before he even jumped into the whole supplement game. Unlike you see some of these Instagram models where they basically sell a supplement, which has just got their name branded on it, but they don't care where it came from. There's probably 30 of the exact same product, but with a different banner around it. But when you go to these companies, they actually make it in their own factory. They're the only supplement which is made within that factory. So you can tell that there's not a lot of cross-contamination stuff which goes on as well, because that's also a thing too. You need to make sure that where you're getting your supplement source from that there's no cross-contamination that could be produced. And this is very important for people who are getting into serious athletics because if there is a cross-contamination with a supplementation, you might actually discover that the WADA, like the, the governing body for some sports, might actually say this element, which is in the supplementation, is actually banned. You've taken it and you've actually given us a um, piss test or you've given us a blood test and it's still within your system. You've been caught, bang, four years. But the guy's like, hang on a minute. I've, I've never taken that thing before. But then they've not read the supplementations, went through it all and went, oh my God, it's there in black and white. And there's been some common, um, common issues of that happening in the past. But the same thing can also be said with food. 
Like some people have said that they went and ate something at a Turkish restaurant and that had that sort of thing in there where it's been banned. One of them pops mine is Sonny Webster. He got banned with a supplementation and he was out for four years and he just point blank lied. If I'm honest with you, I don't, I don't mind name calling, but it's within the industry. We all know that he bloody cheated, but um, by the by, that gives you an idea of like, you need to make sure that you do your homework. If you're going to go and get one of these supplementations. Now, the other factor is, is, is it financially viable to buy all these supplements when you put it all together, which the general Joe blogs look to try and get, such as a pre-workout, a protein shake, branch chain amino acids, some sort of like multivitamin. And then when you put it all together and just you go to your um, checkout, it's like nearly 100, 120 pounds. So you can go, okay, one, can I spend 100, 100 pounds? Let's just throw that figure out there. Can I spend £100 per month, every month for the next five years just on supplementations? Or could I use that £100 to actually spend it on food? Or was that £100 not being spent on food because I am struggling full time to cook something? Therefore, I need to have a protein shake for um, convenience. So that's another kind of like side that you have to look at some things when it comes to supplementations. So... They're, they're the questions that I would kind of ask someone immediately is like, why do you need it? Do you think it's viable? What's the purpose behind it? And um, long-term, can you continuously keep spending money on these supplementations? Would you guys kind of like agree with me there in regards to like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then normally the next thing I would say is if someone's like ticked all the boxes and says, yep, Andy, I've done my homework. I've had a look at my nutrition. Um, I feel like it's pretty accurate. And um, I've tried taking on board everything that you've kind of said to me. So yeah, I would like to try and get some supplementations. Which ones do you think I should do? So if I had anyone who was like, in general, from like regular Joe blogs, just people who were just like me and you, just we're looking to optimize our nutrition. That's probably the best way of saying it. Looking for optimal nutrition when it comes to supplementations. The first thing I would probably look at is more like a digestive enzyme. Because when we tend to see um, people, it's really difficult. If they don't have a really good gut health, it means that their body's not actually being able to like absorb those nutrients. So if someone's like... Uh, I would normally say if someone's came off like a really bad illness and you've been put in antibiotics, obviously you've got to think about the good bacteria, which is in the gut has been like, oh, sorry about that. I've just received a call for typical. Um, say for example, if like someone's been on antibiotics, it obviously kills the good bacteria in their gut as well as the bad bacteria. Jamie, am I right in saying that? To a degree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, it. That, that's what I say to patients all the time. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like they take a they take a um, anti like obviously they take their tablets, their antibiotics, and then they start getting better again. But then they don't work on a process of being able to replace and help regenerate some good bacteria in the gut. So normally you would think about like a pre or a probiotic, and I would also have a conversation with the doctor who prescribed the antibiotics to have some sort of course of action, saying, okay, well after these antibiotics, what protocol would you suggest for me to kind of increase my good bacteria in my gut but normally because of like people having like really bad diets from like eating like takeaways and snacks and like eating sugary foods but they're not balancing out the healthy foods at the same time 
is then I would then say, right, well, if you get some good digestive enzymes, it might actually help support your gut's ability to break down food, being able to get down to like the good macro and micronutrients, and then it will be able to be absorbed through the small intestines. And then obviously when it gets to the large intestines, that starts to absorb water quality. So it's basically just to check and see if like, if anyone's got any of the symptoms and to be honest with you, it's very rare that you see some people with these. It's like if they've got bad acne or like stomach pains, um, they've got nausea after taking supplementations, like lack of appetite for like meat-based source or protein-based source foods, or like if they get like severe bloating after eating. So some people might say, oh, I've got IBS, but I might actually turn around and say, well, actually, what's your gut flora kicking about like? Like, have you actually had a look and checked and seen um, if your gut digestive tract is actually working effectively? And then some people like automatically say, oh, I've got IBS when they've not actually actually been medically like said, like checked over by a doctor saying, yes, you do have IBS. When in fact, actually, you might actually just have like a really bad gut digestive system, which you can rectify using pre and probiotics and some sort of digestive enzymes. Now, I know that that one's not one of the ones that you see all singing or dancing on like supplementation websites. The first thing you get in your face is bang, protein. You don't actually get one of these ones that pop up and say, oh, what about digestive enzyme? Because you're eating it. You don't want to just eat it and then it just flushes straight out you and it doesn't actually get absorbed. So that would kind of be like the first one that I would say is having a look at someone's like digestive system. Is it good enough? One of the things that you can do on that if you don't want to get the supplementation is just eat more fiber. That's literally it. Just eat more plant-based foods. And that just kind of helps with the, the stomach's ability to actually be able to digest these foods. The second one I would normally go down next is a multivitamin. Now, I know this sounds very vague, but the thing is, though, multivitamin normally has roughly around about 11 to 13 of the specific vitamins that you need. The ones that you normally tend to come across is like vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin C, vitamin B12, and then you get vitamin D for some of them you do and then you get like iron folic acid magnesium so it normally just like covers a velvet base so it's like this is just a nice way just to top it up so if you're already eating quite a good diet with like your fruit and veg and making sure you get your good um healthy fats and omegas from like nuts and like um your like fishy based um meat sources like your salmon and your mackerel and your herring then you're normally covering everything, but a nice little multivitamin is always a good way of like topping it up, especially during the winter months, just basically because it's like, it's colder, your body's like trying to fight a lot of bacterial stuff going on. And to be quite frank with you, if no one right now with everything that's going on in this world is not having a multivitamin while there's a pandemic kicking on, maybe that's a good place to start. So it's just a kind of general rule of thumb. Does any of you guys take like a multivitamin? Yeah, Jamie does. Cool. Yeah, so somewhat sporadically when I remember to. They're sat, they're sat on the shelf. <laughs> they're sat on the shelf. Well, tell yeah. you what, did you listen to um, the chat that I did about creating atomic habits? Uh, no. Right, cool. That's a good topic maybe to dive down, my man. Don't worry. Like, some <laughs> everything I say. Because <laughs> I talk a lot. But when it comes to atomic habits, what helps me with my supplementations, because, dude, I was like you. I'd buy them all with the right intention. And then four days later, I'm not taking them. But then as soon as I actually built a habit on a habit, which I'm always good at, and that's brushing my teeth. Very first thing in the morning and last thing at night, 
I've actually got into the habit of um, having my supplements with a glass of water and I have my supplements in like these like small containers right next to my toothbrush. So before I even brush my teeth, I'll take what, all my supplementations like by the package of their explanation, have them, drink a water and then start brushing my teeth. And I just know for a fact it's done. Like it's as straightforward as it can be. You don't have to have it next to your toothbrush. Like you can just layer it on something that you do every morning. Like if you um, ping the kettle to make a cup of tea or coffee first thing in the morning, that's also a good option. I wouldn't have it next to your toilet, right? I know when we get up in the morning, some of us just go straight to the john, but it's not not my idea of wanting to try and uh, multitask that one. I would try and avoid that one. But a multivitamin, I would definitely say, would really be a good place, a good go-to. And you can get some really decent multivitamins as well. Just have a look at the um, the NDA, like the the like the daily, um, yeah, the daily intake. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask. Are all multivitamins made equal? I'm guessing not, obviously. But not it depends, like because to tell you what, you get what you pay for. Is normally a good way of putting it. If you buy cheap, you buy twice, was my dad's all good saying. So you don't want to go and spend like 50 quid on some tablets, but you don't want to go and spend £4.99 from Tesco yeah. if, you get, if you catch my drift. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been wondering that. Like anytime I've, I've like gone, like I should probably be taking vitamins and I go and I see them in Tesco and I've, surely this is just the equivalent of like the men's five-in-one shampoo that's shower gel and aftershave and everything... <laughs> Like it's not, it's not really doing anything well. It's just there. But it does it. The five in one shampoo does yeah. do it sometimes. When a man needs the five in one, the man uses the five in one. <laughs> it's better than nothing. <laughs> but I would say, like the one that I I go to is on myprotein.com. It's the men's uh, the men's alpha multivitamin. It's really decent. Like it's good quality. I just like. When I had a look over everything that I need, it does help. So that was probably be a good one. I might actually put up um, a note of like good options or where you can go to. Don't worry, I'm making no kickback off any of this. By the way, it's something that one day, if this if this goes well in the next twenty years, maybe somehow I'll make some sort of profit or I'll bring out my own supplement range. I don't know, but <laughs> general rule of thumb is like make sure you just do a little bit of shopping, like ten minutes, just look for a good source. Um, the other one you guys will probably know this is your omega free. Now, I would say, like, if you want to expand on that, is like your omega free six and nine. And as a ratio of the omega six to three, you should try to get more omega six in your diet than omega free. This ratio, like two to one. And then when you start looking at that, that's when you automatically see all the really rubbish ones that you can buy, they just fall off the shelf. Like, you don't even want to touch them. So it's what's, the the what's the difference between three, six, and nine? Just that sort of yeah, so basically it's like some of these uh, three, six, and nines help with like the LDL in your blood system, like your low-density lipoproteins. It also helps with like cholesterol levels, some with like brain function, cell regeneration. It also helps with like the layering of your CNS system, like your nerve endings. Right. So each one of them has a different principle, but general rule of thumb everyone goes for like three and six they're more the ones that everyone needs to kind of go for nine not so much i'm going to be honest with you mate i really don't know too much about nine because even when i was doing my studies nine's not really one that you'd normally tend to see you need like a very low requirement of that 
So normally if you have like even just an omega-3 fish oil, that always covers the recommended amount that you need, mate. So that's why personally I never really bothered about omega-9. But then when I read into it a bit more, omega-6, especially for people who train more often, require a little bit more of it due to the fact of like the the inflammation that the body receives from training. So it's more saying, hey, you should have a little bit more of this. So that's probably, hopefully that covers your question, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. But I mean, all that you need is at least six, six grams per day to have any type of effect. So just make sure that when you're having a look at your packaging, it just means that you're able to just kind of get a rough idea of how much that you need, like capsule wise. They normally just say to you, like, take one a day. Some actually say take one in the morning and one in the afternoon or the evening. But normally just omega free in general. It helps like turn on the the burning glands in the body. So it means that your it helps your body like create temperatures. So when you're training, like your body starts to get nimble in the synovial joints of your bones and like your um well, obviously your joints. I'm saying bones, but your joints. So it means that there's no like lots of abrasion going on and it means that you're able to keep that synovial fluid nice and fresh also helps with some thyroid health as well so you normally tend to see some people who have like thyroid issues you normally have a look at their diet and they don't really eat too much fish or too much fatty natural fatty foods so that can give you an idea of something that can help with that but also it helps lower blood pressure so normally you can check and see if someone's got like a high cholesterol level it normally comes from like bad food sources so if you tend to say like, I wouldn't even put them on a, a mega supplementation. I would just tell them eat more like fishy food, like from like freshwater, cold water food, or, like salmon and tuna and herring. Try to introduce that into their diet. I wouldn't automatically say, oh, you've got bad cholesterol, slap an omega-3 tab- a tablet on your table and tell you to neck it. But it's like for people like us who already eat quite well, it's just something quite nice to have wedged yeah. in there. Any questions on that, lads? No, no, those omega tablets and multivitamins are the ones I've bought in the past, but just don't have to, I've never kept up. Yeah. But yeah. Right. No, probably. I, I find just because I've had to do the shopping that actually, even if you're not, so I'm not vegan, I'm vegetarian mainly, but actually the vegan multivitamins tend to be very good for value, for kind of actually when you go through the amounts, just because essentially if you've got a vegan diet, there's very little, like you need, there's a heavy supplementation. So I find they're often quite good value. Bingo. Even if you don't. So you got to think it's like, that's when you start really thinking deep going, right. What supplements normally dive towards the vegans? And that's not me saying that the vegans are the best thing in the world. It's because they have such a severe um, restriction on choices of foods that they can eat. The companies understand that and say, right, what are we really missing, especially when it comes to like Eastern and Western societies? Like what are they missing in their diet diet requirements? We normally see like Eastern um, based vegans. They normally have their stuff nailed. Like they know exactly what they're eating. It's because the food quality is a little bit differently over there. When it comes to Western society, like I know some vegans, I'm like, are you vegan? Yeah. what do you eat? I eat pizza and like I eat, uh, chips and i'm like yeah you're not technically vegan you just like cut out all animal-based foods it was like yeah so you're just like man like you're 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 probably very now malnourished but then you've got like the likes of 
um, Jamie. Jamie's not vegan, but he's a vegetarian, but he understands like a vegan-based protein, like a supplementation source normally has a higher quality than a vegetarian. So it kind of means that you're, you're vying on the right side of things there, Jamie. That, that's probably something that I've been missing out on because I've, I've been eating vegan for like a year and a half no. and I've, I tend to just make things that I know are tasty. Like I know they're healthy as well, but as, but they're tasty, but I've never actually like focused on the specific nutrients that are coming from each thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're on the right chat today because I can point you in the right direction. Yeah. What some bang on food choices that you can say, like if you're struggling to get this, look for these food sources. Maybe yeah. can give you some sort of help as well, mate. Because the one of them that you probably might not do is like zinc. I don't know how many of you guys like get zinc in your diet. And you normally see the the number the, the two supplementations that normally top pop up from that is like ZMA, which is like zinc like zinc and magnesium, and then HMB. And normally the two of them are like linked together, like zinc, magnesium, calcium. So they're normally the ones that you normally dive onto with those two supplementations. And the reason being why um, they're normally used is it enhances the immune system and helps the body fight illness, but it also helps the body's ability to like fall into a sleep. So it reduces like, um, like strain, which goes on with the body. But from people like who have like low levels of zinc, especially for men, because personally, when I researched into this a bit more, it was, um, like the decrease of sperm output, testicular testicular shrinkage, testosterone reduction, slow muscle growth, hindering the immune function, gastrointestinal problems, slow wound healing. So you've got to kind of think it's like for a guy who's wanting to put muscle on from training, low zinc levels, and then you're reading all of this kicking on, you're kind of like, that's the complete polar opposite of what I want. So maybe I should look to maybe slightly increase my zinc intake. And automatically, I would say, look from it from a food source. Don't go straight away and think I need the zinc tablet in my my diet. But for me, who like jumps on the bike nearly once every second day right now, and I'm training every day, I do more than the average Joe. So maybe I just need that little bit more to help bump it up. That makes sense. So like they're normally the things that you would say when it comes to like um, zinc because it's a combination of like 300 different enzymes. So you can grab it from like loads of different places. But I, I personally have a zinc tablet um, first thing in the morning. Some people actually have it more in the evening because it's a little bit more swaying towards the health of when you're sleeping because obviously that's when your body grows. That's when it develops the muscle t- tissue and it helps the recovery processes when you're sleeping. So if that supplementation helps you with a better quality of sleep, then it's a good way of going for it. You normally see these, um, mine when I said about like the supplementation companies, which uh, use like lavender to like use it as a um, element to help people fall into a deeper sleep, like a nootropic, you normally tend to see that they have a higher level of zinc in there as well. So it's another one that I would kind of go into. And then obviously it's magnesium. Now, what, sorry, Andy, what, what sources are you getting zinc from? What Whereabouts will they get zinc from? Yeah, food sources. Right, tell you what, mate, because I made a little list right next to me, which actually has it all. Yeah, I could just give one. I don't know why I'm No, nah, it's all right. You know, it'll be actually quite interesting. I'm going to like make sure that I've got the right ones here because I wrote a list down of everything, but I think zinc's on my emails because I'm a weird person. I write my email 
and then I send it to myself on my desktop so I know that I'm um, getting the right information across. But let me just double check. Yeah, so that's right. It's like meat and shellfish. You normally tend to see these are the ones that you get straight off the bat, but I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate on you here. What happens if you're the likes of Stephen and Jamie? They're not meat eaters. So you're like, right, they have to go and find their source from another one. So straight away, like my ones that I would go to is more like healthy nuts. So you've got cashews, you've got almonds, you've got your pine nuts, like your Brazilian nuts as well. So normally this is when you tend to see um, like a granola mix would be a really great way of getting that first thing in the morning. So like some overnight oats, some granola mix with a little bit of compote, that normally tends to do the trick. If you're looking for like a booster meal, that's normally one that you could normally go for. I don't know, Jamie, like Stephen, do you guys like eat granola? Or is that something that you avoid? Or do you have like a, a nut mix? Yeah, no, I have granola pretty much on my porridge every morning. I'm actually just going to go check and see if it's got any zinc in it. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, tell you what, right? See, while you're off on the walk to go and get the granola, see if you look at the back of the packaging, it'll be interesting to actually see um, the ingredients and the, nutri and the nutrients in that as well. So you know that you're putting me right on the spot here. He's like, I'm going to go and check that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's got me on the mute. There is no information regarding zinc on my granola. Wow. No idea. <laughs> right. So that's what it gets interesting, though. Like, so if the general rule of thumb is if you go to like your nuts section, it's normally like cashews, almonds, Brazil nuts, walnuts are the ones that I would just automatically dive onto. But you've got to be careful when it comes to nuts. Well, obviously, do you have an allergy to it? If you do, avoid them like the plague. If you don't, then quids in. It means that you need to just make sure that your measurements are right because that's where some people get it really wrong and they start having like big handfuls and then they're like, oh my God, Andrew, I put on like eight pounds. I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock, because they're fucking high in calories. Like <laughs> for every gram that you have of a fat, it's like nine, like nine grams of, sorry, what is it? For every like one gram is like nine calories in comparison to like one gram of protein and carbs it's only four calories so you've got to be really careful when it comes to fats but us as humans we love we love eating healthy fats right but then you get bad potency i said it in the last nutrition if you look at like the likes of like ben and jerry's if you don't notice that their carbohydrates of which is sugar is the exact same amount as their healthy uh, as their fats and that's why you can't put it down you just can keep going and going and going and going and going and going the fucking tub's done and that's why that's one of the reasons so you just got to be kind of careful with that one hopefully that kind of covered um that supplementation for you um nathan when it comes to zinc it's kind, it's kind of difficult when you think about zinc but it's because of where the food sources come from it's very general and you don't necessarily need too much of it we just need to make sure that you're having enough of it so if you're eating like one red sourced meat a week or like one fish based sauce a week you know, you're, you're covering yourself. That makes any sense. I would well, so like for me, like even this week, we had like one, which one did we have? What fish? So we had sea bass. And then obviously we've had like a little bit of um, mince. So that's my red base meat. 
like five percent of the fat so i've covered myself on two of those but then obviously it's like when it comes to like people who don't eat meat you can see the level of difficulty that they've got straight off the uh, off the bat so then you've just got to kind of create a lot of variety of food options and different recipes that you can create which has all of these different food sources sprinkled into so you've just got to do a little bit of your research when it comes to like what type of meal should i have every week and one of the guys that you should ask is chef like if you want to make like more of a vegetarian based food source and say can you show me something that i can make which is like 20 minutes or 30 minutes that i can cook well make one you know so normally for like anyone who's like wanting like sports performance and everything, you normally tend to see like they get a mass amount of veg- vegetables and a mass amount of um, fruit and like a sprinkling of the nuts in their diet already. So normally they don't really tend to think about it too much, but magnesium would probably be the one that I think everyone's lacking in. Now, the reason being why is like, see when you look at the UK based studies and you look at the US based studies, they're averaging about every single person that they test on magnesium is like 72 to 75% under like the recommended amount that they should have in their body. And normally the things that are um, symptoms of magnesium deficiency is anxiety, depression, fatigue, irritability, re- uh, restlessness, fear, insomnia, reduced attention span, memory loss, and confusion. I can, like, I'm going to talk about myself here. I've looked at that and probably four of the <laughs> nine of them I've like had at some point. Like, yep. And if you think about it right now, like, can you imagine like the amount of, if you look at that list and you speak to someone who's going through what we're going through right now, even though that it's not like nutritionally, um, the source is probably like external environmental issues, which are causing these to happen. Normally you tend to see like magnesium supplementation could help alongside this to maybe help reduce some of these issues that are going on with some people so it's mainly if you see a lot of these issues that are going on i would just tell people is like do a bit of yoga work on your breathing technique work on a bit of mindfulness get to bed that normally kills all of that if you're um, paying attention to it but then obviously like a nice little magnesium tablet makes you have some very lucid dreams as well depends who's has anyone actually taken magnesium before they went to bed no, no, I think I will no, not specifically <laughs> <laughs> give it a go and tell me what your dream was like right <laughs> they can get a little bit crazy if you take too much but it's not a drug it's just basically it's just because like your your brain's like going off into la la land at that point but last but not least, for the ones for like optimal health for some um, people is vitamin D. And us in Scotland Shire don't get enough of it. Plain and simple. This is why we're always known for being too white and peely wally, as they like to say. But it's mainly more in the northern hemisphere. We normally don't get enough exposure to sunlight. So this is why it's quite important that we need to make sure that we're getting our vitamin D for our sources from food sources or going outside when it's nice and sunny and getting a little bit of sunshine on your face but the benefits of vitamin d it really does promote some lean body mass so it increases fat infiltration it also helps with bone health the strength and force production in your your training it's also used quite a lot for treating skin disorders skin disorders as well um, insulin sensitivity as well. So see if you have some people who are like 
quite prone to being on the, the verge of a diabetic aspect, then normally they would prescribe some vitamin D into their diet as well to help um, desensitize their body to um, basically going in that direction of diabetes. It also helps with cardiovascular, brain, and reproduction, um, uh, reproductive health as well. So it's also a mood elevator. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys have went outside, it's nice and sunny, and then you come in and you got a smile on your face, you know, general rule of thumb. You're happy when you're in the sun. But obviously, it's January, and it's been snowing. So yeah, <laughs> it's probably my general rule of thumb for that. But what do you think so far? Would that probably be supplements which you wouldn't expect to hear right off the bat when we're talking about yeah. nutrients and supplementations? That's good. I'm seeing a lot of non yeah. so I'm happy with that. But when I actually sat and then did some research on the top seven supplementations that an athlete takes. Now, this is interesting because this actually came from the British Board of Athletics Top seven supplementations for an athlete. Omega-3 fatty, fatty oils, vitamin B, because vitamin B increases the energy production and the neurotransmitters cofactor that help improve the mood. It also helps detoxify the body after exercise. But also as well, it helps with like females, especially if they're in their pregnancy stage as well, because obviously if they're um, producing breast milk, they're losing a lot of B vitamins, so they need to help supplementate that as well. The other ones that you see with uh, men, it also helps increase their testosterone levels as well naturally. So if you're training, the higher levels of testosterone you have, the better force production and the better muscle tissue that you create. That's not a general, um, that is general knowledge, isn't it? It's like the more testes you have, the more muscle you gain. But let's do it naturally, lads. Okay. <laughs> and then the other ones that they've got is number three, magnesium. We've already covered that. Vitamin D, we've already covered that. And then it goes protein. So obviously it's like, yeah, because you're training a lot more, you're being more active than the human Joe. But we would normally tend to say is like, don't increase your, your protein source more than 20 to 30 grams. If I'm honest with you, some people say, oh, if you have any more than 30 grams of protein, it starts coming out of your, your, your pee because your kidneys are like breaking it down and it's bad for your body and everything. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's just, your body's got a natural detoxifier. It is your liver and it is your kidneys. It will naturally get rid of anything it doesn't need. It's just basically, it's probably possibly an overconsumption of calories. So if you keep your protein source between 20 to 30 grams, having that protein source within every meal, that normally ticks the box. And that goes for everybody. So if you think about it, let's do a little bit of math really quickly. So if we do 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal, and if I'm dealing with an athlete who's training on the regular, I normally tend to say to them, right, well, you're going to be training roughly around about two to three times a day. Might be a good shout that you have five meals a day. So let's say 30 grams of protein, okay? You're going to times that by four because for every gram of protein has four calories per gram of protein. So that gives you about 120 calories. Now times that by five, that's roughly about 600 calories that are solely coming from a protein source. So if you have a meal, an average meal, which is roughly around about 2,500 calories, that leaves you with about 1,900 calories left to have it from carbohydrates or from healthy fats. So it gives you a rough idea of like, cool, if I use protein as my first source, 
I just have 30 grams for every single meal, uh, five to, say for example, five times a day, then that normally would give you a really good starting block. And then you sprinkle your carbs and around about your training windows, because obviously carbohydrates are used for like uh, your muscles, for your muscles to actually contract and perform, and also your brain function. And your healthy fats help you with just basically your, your daily energy and it also helps with hormone production. Done. That's as much as you need to know. If you want me to go into much depth about that, you better go tune into the next program because <laughs> it's too much to talk about. But general rule of thumb, protein, simple, small portions, not too bad. And that's why normally when you have a look at protein shakes, they say one scoop equals some somewhere in the ballpark between 20 to 30. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Same again, lots yep. of nodding heads. So yeah, just kind of covers the basis. Number six is vitamin C. Kind of like everyone knows that vitamin C is good for the body. Helps with the absorption of carbohydrates into the muscle cells. Also helps reduce the possibility of diarrhea. No one wants that. Okay. Last time I checked. But it also helps with um, the energy production of ATP in the body. So obviously it's adenine triphosphate. Obviously when you start to exercise, that breaks down into a molecule of adenine diphosphate. And I'm going to like double check and see if Jamie knows what's the other thing that gets produced from that. Going to throw them under the bus. Well, it depends if you're doing this in oxygenated or deoxygenated circumstances, Andy. But lactate acid, lactic acid is the right. is the classic. We'll <laughs> it depends on how fucked you are. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes. lactic acid is the thing that gets produced from that. But then obviously it's like averaging, like you would normally say about ninety milligrams a day is normally a good shout. General rule of thumb. If you see some people, they normally tend to go up to nearly close to 16,000 milligrams. But that's like if you eat a lot of fruit. So fruit is normally, see if you look at your big, vibrant fruit, fruit sources, that's where you normally tend to get your lot of vitamin C. And oranges is not the number one option, by the way. There's a fruit source in Australia where you can get it from. Uh, I can't even mind, but it's like nearly 20 times as potent as an orange. But obviously it's in Australia. That's why you kind of get it. And then uh, number seven is a coenzyme. Now CQ10. So the reason being why it, it's an important antioxidant. It's also known as ubiquitous. It's abbreviative CQ10. So you've probably seen a supplement where it says CQ10. That's the one that I normally know of coenzyme. So when you're looking at it, it helps with dropping cholesterol levels in the body so it also helps drop down cortisol so obviously if you're training quite a lot and your body's in that strain phase then cortisol is naturally created in the body as basically a hormone from being in a stress state you normally tend to see if people have like a lot of cortisol they carry a lot of fat so that's why like coenzyme helps battle that ability just in a natural way it just helps like make sure that the right nutrients are absorbed into the cells and that you're not getting fatty acids stored in the body. So it kind of gives you like a, a general rule of thumb. It's also quite good for like arthritis as well. So hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea about CQ10. That one I would probably do a little bit of research into it. I know like a couple of top CrossFitters normally tend to say they take a CQ10 tablet in the morning, every morning, and then it's in their blood system before they train. So I was like, that's kind of interesting. I want to kind of read about that. 
but basically it just aids with their ability not to like have fat stored on their body which has been induced by an excessive amount of training but it also helps reduce down like inflammation in the joints and it also helps with just like circulation and getting um, nutrients resolved into the body make sense cool yeah. now i know that we're nearly coming up to the hour so i can literally rattle out everything that you can get from these things where do you get them all so this is probably where it's going to get interesting and when i actually say them you'll probably nod your head going oh yeah okay so like omega-3 where would you naturally think you would get omega-3 from what's your first thing that pops to your mind fish fish yeah so i would normally say like fish like normally seafood like cold water so like you're looking at your salmon, your tuna, like make sure it's like real tuna, not like tin can tuna, like try, get like a proper tuna fillet, like herring and sardines as well. Normally a good chat. Sardines, I would say canned is actually okay. Just make sure that you have a little look at it. Bex just went, <laughs> it's not really my first thing going, oh, a sardine on a pizza. Lovely. <laughs> and then your nuts and seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds, and walnuts. So that's a nice little way of sprinkling it up onto your breakfast. And then some plant oils as well, like flaxseed oil, some soybean oil, or some canola oil. So there would be your options for like an omega-3. Um, B vitamins. A lot of these are actually going to be coming from some um, animal-based products, such as milk, cheese, eggs, liver and kidneys, chicken, red meat, fish. Tuna is normally the one that you normally tend to go for. Shellfish is good, like oysters and clams. But then obviously, if you're like Andy, nah got to leave my little furry friends alone can you touch them i'm like okay well what about some dark green vegetables right spinach and kale the ones that normally come up to my mind you've got some beetroot you've got avocados potatoes whole grains cereal but basically because that's coming from grains and then you've got like kidney beans black beans chickpeas nuts and seeds again and then look at your citrus fruits as well like your bananas and watermelons they normally tend to have some too soy products like soy milk I, don't, I wouldn't really dive towards soy milk. I just don't enjoy it. Personally, that's a preference for me. I just think it's too bitter. So I tend to like... Really? Yeah. Oh, it's, no, it's by mile the best method. Oh, no, it's much, much better than you soy milk. I think soy milk's oh. like Marmite. You either oh, love it. The one. No. <laughs> it's thin and watery. No, no, you need to get the Oatly Barista oat milk. That's the right. okay. best. Steve knows his coffee, so I know he's getting his... Like, if he's getting his milk options nailed, then okay. No, yeah, no, we'll have this argument another time, Steve. But as a fellow <laughs> competitioner, this is, you could go for hours. It's, no. I know, this could go on for hours, and I don't want it being based on which different milk source am I going to go with. So um, that kind of gives you, like, an idea of, like, B vitamins. Normally, I tend to get it from yeast as well, but obviously, you use yeast to make bread if you're making it from fresh. Right, vitamin D, okay? We said sunshine. All right, but then, like, obviously, if you've got to eat a couple of things, mushrooms. You wouldn't really think, of, and the best one that pops to mind is portobello mushrooms. So, see, the best thing in the world, like Bex Mason, the, the bomb, I think they're brilliant. Get a portobello mushroom, cut the stem off it, and then pour some olive oil into it, bang it in the oven. Oh, my God. It's the best thing ever. Like even like you see as a meat lover, it's still pretty decent. If you really want to go right down there, Bex, what cheese do you add to it? What? To is it mozzarella cheese? What? I wasn't to portobello. Yeah, yeah. She makes this thing where it's like where she she puts like mozzarella cheese in the portobello mushroom, and then 
bangs it in the oven and it just melts into it. It's just, I don't know what it is, but it's brilliant. But that's a really good source for some vitamin D. Um, obviously, you've got your orange, oranges. Um, they normally say like orange juices, but I tend to, I try my best to kind of come away from them. Anything that's like very sweet, very high caloric as a juice, you want to avoid it because you'll just keep going back for more. And then that's where you tend to see like an overconsumption of calories. It's just basically because you're drinking too much. Um, the other things as well, like egg yolk. Now, normally we get these bro science people who are like, don't eat the egg yolk. It's bad for you. They only just eat the egg white. I'm like, ugh. That's something like Rocky Balboa style. I'm like, nah, no thanks. I always have the yolk with the egg. And then cod liver oil as well actually has a little bit of vitamin D in there. Especially, specifically vitamin D3. Okay. Um, magnesium. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, dark chocolate. Numero uno. That's where you get your magnesium from. That beautiful cocoa butter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't eat too much of dark chocolate. Have you ever tried finishing a full bar of dark chocolate? Yeah, it's a bit yucky. Yeah, it naturally forces you like not to eat it. Especially like, don't even go for anything that's less than ninety percent. Like, don't like if it's lower than ninety percent, it's not dark chocolate. I've never seen. 90%. Where'd you get 90% from? Get Lint, L-I-N-D-T, dark chocolate, 90%. Oh my God, mate. See if you break off like two cubes and put it on the top of your porridge and then bang it in a microwave for like 20 seconds. Thank me later. Okay. It's the okay. best thing ever. That was like a bodybuilder's dream. <laughs> yeah. Especially if we're going to do like a heavy leg session. You're like big bowl of porridge, two dark chocolate, bang a protein shake down you often do like 10 sets of 10 of everything that is like based and then go waddle home like a chicken. Right. And then you've got like avocados, nuts. The ones that I would naturally dive into is cashew and Brazil nuts. They would be my two go-to. Legumes, tofu. Tofu is very high in magnesium. So I'm a bit, I don't know. I can't really cook with tofu because every single time I cook with tofu, I end up making rubber and I can't cook. <laughs> I need to find the masterful way of using tofu. Um, whole grains, some fatty fish, bananas, leafy greens like spinach. It's also good for your vitamin A and vitamin K as well. Spinach. I There's a good lot of food I eat with spinach. Like, welted down. Uh, I even know some people who just eat it like straight out of the package, like crisps. Me, I do that. Really? Yeah. Like, no, every, every meal, just big handful on the plate. I just like the no spinach. Uh, Bex, is, Bex is like twenty seconds behind this video. Yeah, and then you got like vitamin C. Now this is going to be interesting, right? Vitamin C. Every single fruit which is bright and it punches you in the face has vitamin C in it. Like cherries, chili peppers, guavas, sweet yellow peppers, blackcurrant, fine parsley, mustard, spinach, kale, kiwi, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Lemons, lychees, strawberries, and oranges. Literally everything which you're like, oh, it's so sweet. Vitamin C. So it's normally one of those ones. And to be honest with you, I think rhyming those options off, they're very easy to get a hold of, especially in our society. Like you can get those from anywhere. And then the CQ10, which is the coenzymes. This is where it gets interesting, right? Because the coenzymes, 
you can get them from organ meats. It was like your heart, liver, and kidney. So it's very rare that you get someone who's like, oh, kidneys. Ooh, I want to have one of those in a pie, you know? So it's kind of like really difficult to try and get some people to just naturally go for it. But if you say to someone, okay, well, the other options that you've got is pork or beef. So if you look at a little, nice little pork belly or you get like your medallion steak, you're, you're pretty fine there. Chicken has it to a degree, but not too much. But your vegetables, it's looking at your cauliflower. But same again, looking at your spinach, looking at your broccoli as well. That has a heightened level of CQ10 in there as well. Oranges and strawberries from the fruit side of things, but then your legumes, that's where you get your CQ10s from. So it's your soybeans, your lentils, and your peanuts. And then um, some sesame seeds and some uh, pistachios. I was just about to say Pinocchios, but it's your pistachios. You get your, <laughs> that's where you would normally tend to get it from. So there is um, plethora of different food sources where you can get these um, these top ten, like top five or top seven supplementations from. So you've, that's where if we take this full circle right back to the very start of the conversation is, do you specifically need supplementations to supplement your diet unless your diet was bang on and you've got all these different food sources throughout your week? If you've got five meals a day, seven days a week, and you're telling me that you can get a bit of spinach in somewhere, you're lying point blank to my face. You just don't want to. That's more the option that we've got to think about. But then if there was any supplementations that you would use specifically for people who are wanting to gain strength, then that's when you start looking at your creatine. All right, so that's when I'm like, right, if you want to put muscle on, you want to put some strength on, then you need to have some creatine. But, there's a big but, you need to cycle creatine. You can't just like keep banging it in. So basically when anyone starts off with uh, creatine supplements, there's loads of them. Like creatine monohydrates, normally the one that anyone, everyone tends to go for. But there's another one where it's called creatine ethyl ester. They're normally the two that you normally come across. At the start of like a cycle, you normally say for seven days, try to get someone to go up to 10 to 15 grams just to get an up cycle. So it means that you're starting to get it in your blood work. Then after seven days, what you do is then you drop it down and then you would go for 21 days just using five grams. But for me personally, I'd say just do one week of a buildup, two weeks, five grams, one week off. That's like a month. So you just go 15 grams, drop it, do five grams, have nothing for a week. So that's four weeks. And then you go to your fifth week, check your power output. If it's low, bang it back up to 15 again. And then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. After three cycles, I actually come off it for a month. And then you just go again. So if anyone says that, it's normally as a good way of kind of using creatine. But you don't necessarily need too much creatine if you're a meat eater. Because I just tell you, go eat red meat. Like, go and eat red meat. That will get you strong. But then obviously then people are like, but it's bad for your heart and it's bad for this. I'm like, yeah, if you're getting it from really bad sources, if you're just getting like lean beef cuts and you're getting like diced uh, beef cubes, you're pretty okay. But then obviously it's very difficult for some vegetarians. So it's like, absolutely. If you want to get stronger, get some creatine in your body. Same again, though check and see where the creatine has been created from. Did it come from a meat-based product or has it been synthesized using plants? You get me? So another little kind of golden nugget for you to go away with. 
Does that kind of give you guys a better understanding then, lads? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Andy, can I just ask one question about creatine? I appreciate going for a while, but um, it was just in terms of, especially at the because I have used that in the past and gone through cycling and it has been helpful. But during this time, we're obviously doing a lot less, you know, access to weights and, and barbells is much less. Would you advise continuing with those? You know, it would it be something you would use, or would you just only use it when you're doing kind of your know, strength That's and getting very good doing question, some buddy. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good question because. Normally, creatine is used more for strength power output. Yeah. So obviously, you need to look at the percentage that you're having when you're training. Is it up to the 80% threshold of your one rep max that you're training with right now? Yes or no? Yeah. If it's yeah, a no, it's... then there's no necessarily need for it. It's probably just in there to sustain the amount that you have within your body. That's the only thing that I would say it for. If, if For me, the only reason why I would have creatine is if I'm like, busting 15 second max out intervals on the bike and then i'm like recovering for two three minutes and then i'm doing that again like eight to ten times if you're looking from that from like a sports specific point of view that's the only time i would have the creatine in there but yeah. like normally you see like power lifters or some bodybuilders would use that but if they're going for big sets but obviously we're doing yeah. more conditioning pieces it's not something that yeah. you need to worry too much into, but it's a very good question, though, mate. That's a very oh, thank you. Um, what about you guys? Do you guys have any other questions in regards to that? No, and it's okay if you don't. It just means I've done my job properly. Oh, that was a very informative session. Ah, oh, that's just I'm glad you agree, and that's what I kind of want to do. These are the points about the podcast is. Some people don't want to sit and watch a video for that long. Some people just want to listen to something in the car. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd be really surprised if anyone's listened to an hour of this podcast listening to my velvet voice. <laughs> I was even trying to spot YouTube, like trying to catch up with the subtitles of the cooking ward. And it's hilarious because it's going <laughs> like rapid fire. <laughs> so I don't know how this is going to go going forward. I might have to slow down the audio so it catches up with me. But it'll be interesting to see what type of topics that you want to talk about on the next one anyway, because then it means that we can dive into stuff. It doesn't have to be an hour long. We can make them very short and sweet. But normally when it comes to like supplementation, it, it needs this amount of time to talk about it. So then everyone gathers a better understanding. So like the general points that we should take away is, do we really need to supplement it? If my diet is on the ball, bang on then where is there within that that I need to supplement? And do I, do you really think you need all seven of those supplementations? Do you just maybe just need one? You know, so this is where like people really need to sit and think. It's like, even though that this Instagram buff physique bod guy's neck in 20 pills, do I really need to do that? Probably not. You don't want to end up looking like you're some sort of like recovering drug diet as well. So that's also another good way of putting it. But guys, I mean, that's definitely been a really good chat. If there's anything else that you just want to ask, then you can definitely send a message over. And that goes for anyone who's actually listening to this as well. So it just means that we can get the ball rolling. We can create some good topics. Even like the one that you were speaking about there, Jamie, about should I supplement creatine, even though that we're not actually lifting weights. That's the type of stuff I'd love to yeah. talk about. Because then it means that it opens up a gateway for people to understand 
like sports performance and training and what the body needs for certain like percentages of lifts and like certain um like intensity of training like long distance cycling in comparisons to one rep max what supplements work best for what sport you know like for me if i'm honest with you if i'm cycling this is my number one go-to like actually using yeah. a tonic so i don't cramp up halfway through my ride. you know it's the worst thing in the world is when you're sweating all the salt out of your body and then your body's like here we go we're gonna cramp up again i'm like <laughs> nope no thank you so I just had a bit of PTSD as well because supposedly the bike rider meant to do is out the Zwift. And it's only going one time up the hill. <laughs> and I'm just like, I really don't want to do it because I know what this is going to feel like. And it's like, shit. So um, it's that or I'm going up the, the Vaughn Hill, which is a little bit bigger, but it's just long, and just boring. This one's like sharp and it's just makes yeah. good sense. But anyway... I'm going to jump off this. It was a really good chat, lads. We're going to get ready for the ward in the next 20 minutes, and it's a doozy.